welcome Pastor Todd as he comes this morning. Awesome. You good? Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the house this morning. So good to see you at Christ Fellowship Church. You look absolutely amazing. Do you feel amazing? Okay. All right, now some of you are lying because of the hay fever that's going around here in Georgia. And some of you are clogged up. I'm going to pray for you to get unclogged. And there's some handkerchiefs to put into some practice, right? To help you get unclogged in a few moments. But I'm going to pray over you that your health is good during this season, that there's not a mental lapse, there's not a physical lapse, that you're going to breeze right through this wonderful time of the year called spring in North Georgia. Come on now, so stand to your feet. All right, I'm going to bless you. I just feel the presence of the Lord on this. You know, it's, it's one thing to go to war and you're sick in your body. You lose focus. You get distracted. You get fatigued easily. We're in the middle of an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I heard the Lord say to me this morning, early again this morning after uh, Karen and I were in bed, and, and I heard, and I think she was already asleep. I'm just, I'm just thinking, and, and, and the Lord spoke to me. He says, the shaking begins today. He says, the shaking begins today. Uh, for those of you that don't know, in February, the Lord spoke to my heart again. It was early morning, and he says, I'm going to shake this place like it's never been shaken before. And last night, around that same time, uh, close to it, I heard the Lord speak to me. He says, the shaking begins this morning. I find that that is very significant for what we have been through over the last several weeks and months. Phenomenal outpouring of the Holy Ghost, but we've not seen anything quite yet. We're getting ready for greater glory. We're getting ready for the presence of the Lord to, to move into this place even in a more profound fashion. Um, I don't want you to miss it. I want you to be physically able to handle it. So he's coming. He's coming. So lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for the most incredible group of people on the planet. Lord, to their own detriment, even Lord, to their own harm, they'll serve you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for them. I pray over them that Lord those that have traveled overseas, that their body would reacclimate to the atmosphere and the culture here. Anything that they have breathed in, anything that they have eaten, anything that they have touched will not have any harmful effects upon their body. No bug bites, no pollution, um, no food poisoning, no malaria, all of it nullified in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to replenish them financially as well, those that have traveled, that have, list, that have lost time from work and productivity. And the Lord, I pray that whatever we sow to the Spirit, we shall reap to the, from the Spirit. Whatever we sow to the flesh, we shall reap from the flesh. They have given out, Lord, to your kingdom, so let your kingdom come to them. They have helped others, let others help them. And Lord, I pray for um, the hay fever thing that's going on, the sinus congestion, the allergies. Lord, I just love these people so much. And I pray blessings upon them. And even those that are at home, a part of our family, God, I want you guys to receive that as well. Those of you that are watching on spring break, you're traveling, you've tuned in, uh, you may be uh, someplace on the road now. I pray, God, blessings that their vacations and their rest would be, Lord, compounded in, in, a, in a way, Lord, that just multiplies uh, of, of just new energy in their body and refocus. Lord, may this not be a season of backsliding away because they're away from your, your, your glory here. So we bless our people, allergy-free, sinus 
problem free in Jesus' name. And all people said amen. You can be seated. All right. You know, people say, Todd, that's a crazy way to pray for people. Well, what do you want me to do? Let you suffer? Thank God somebody's, I want to pray for you. It's so good to be here. It really, it really is. I leave for Kentucky in the morning. Karen and I are going to get to travel for the first time in, I guess, almost uh, half a year probably on, because we're involved with Caneo. Going back to Kentucky, uh, where we had a lot of uh, setbacks, not setbacks, but opposition. So I need you to pray about that. People uh, really come, uh, coming hard on the pastor there for holding an immersion revival. So I need you to be in intercession, especially tomorrow night uh, here. You know, last Monday night, we had over 100 people gather for prayer. My Lord Jesus. You don't want to miss that tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. And then this last night, right at 100 people came and, and uh, gathered for prayer. And I think the Lord is noticing that. So the shaking begins today. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. I want to, I want to deal with a very um, complex issue today. I'm going to stay on the t- subject of prayer. I'm going to be here for some time. I'm going to camp out here. Uh, I want you to get you a journal, get you a notebook. I want you to take some notes. Uh, go back and watch again and again uh, the messages that I'm going to preach on prayer. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. I want to read it in um, my Bible here, the New King James. And then I also want to read it in several other translations. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're dealing with, with, with prayer today. Again, I'm going to dive into a very complex um, matter today, okay? It's going to help you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some, some, uh, some things to think about. I'm going to challenge you. Um, I'm going to challenge your reasoning. I'm going to challenge your logic. I'm going to probably challenge some um, upbringing, some teachings that you have. I want to jolt those just a little bit, okay? I want to jolt those, and I want you to leave this place knowing that you have read the Word of God, you have met in the presence of God, and you're leaving this house changed. So here we go. First Peter chapter 4. I want you to look at verse 7 only. He says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in what? The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, he gives us a warning. I want you to be what? Everybody say serious and watchful. And say, in your prayers. There is a warning here for us as God's people. That as the time comes to an end. As things get worse in our society, our culture, or in our world. This is the time that God says, I need you to be serious. And pay close attention to prayer. The Good News Translation puts it this way. The, all, the end of all things is near. You must be self-controlled and alert and be able to pray. I'm going to read that again. The Good News. The end of all things is near. You must be self-controlled and alert and be able to pray. The International Standard Version says, Because everything will soon come to an end, be sensible and clear-headed so you can pray. The New Living Translation 
which I, I love. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. But I think my favorite may be this one. It's going to pop up on the screen here. 1 Peter chapter 4, the Passion Translation says this. Since we are approaching the end of all things, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. And at any point in the history of humanity that we need the church of God to pray, it is at this season. Now, many of us are nervous when it comes to prayer. And, the, and rightfully so, because we feel that we don't know what to ask, how to ask. And perhaps our track record is not very good. We ask and we don't see God come through. We ask for a loved one to be healed and they die. We ask for someone to be changed and they get worse. And so when you hear the word come to prayer, you think, well, that's good for the seasoned people that know how to get a hold of God and God responds. That's not what he's saying here. He's, he's putting this out to every one of us in this room, right? He says the end of time is coming. Therefore, be intentional and purposeful and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. We don't treat anything else in life quite like we do prayer. We think, since we can't do it, let's stay away from it. So perhaps that may make us better. We never tell our children to go drive a car, and we never accept their response as... Well, I'm just not interested because I don't think I can drive a car, but I will drive a car after watching you drive a car. No, they sit right next to you. And you model it in front of them. You teach them as they go. They learn as they go. And the way that they learn is by making mistakes when they drive. Running over a cone. Bumping into a trash can. Right? I release upon this house a spirit of prayer. From the youngest to the oldest, to the most seasoned, to those that are novices, that you're going to learn a dimension of God in prayer beginning today that's going to absolutely change your world because every one of us need this teaching so that we can be effective in the kingdom. Let's read this out loud together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Since we are approaching the end of all things, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. The most practiced religious activity in the world is prayer. Today, billions of people in their own language will pray to a particular deity or God. This is the most universal connecting, tying element on the planet, the spiritual element. Some are going to be talking to the monkey god. Others are going to be talking to the sea gods. Others are going to be talking to Jehovah. Others are going to be talking to Muhammad. But the bottom line is that they all pray. This thread is woven throughout our entire society. 
Christians pray, and Satanists pray. Hmm? Those in multi-million dollar mansions pray, and those that live on the street pray. Talk to me. Atheists pray when things get bad. We all pray. Every single person prays. Now here's where things get a little complex. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. And as you turn there, I need to make some qualifying statements. Now I'm going to be very um, choosy in my words today. I am going to be very methodical in my language. I want you to hear everything that I have to say. And if you're going to quote me, quote me well. Because you're going to have an opportunity to misquote and to mishear. But let me go on the record and say that I believe that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at all times. I believe that God is good and there is no evil in Him. And God has the capacity. Now, I want you to write that word down because for what I'm about to speak on hinges on that word. God has the capacity to do whatever He wants to do, whenever He wants to do it, and however He wants to do it. Everybody say capacity. I also believe that no force on earth, above the earth, or beneath the earth, is equal to Him, and He has no one that can match Him. Do you believe that? His fierce power, nobody can contain. Nature obeys him when he speaks. The demons of hell, the Bible says, tremble at the mere mention of his name. The Bible says that when he appears, the mountains melt like wax in his presence. Angels bow before him. Sickness leaves, and death shrieks when he approaches. All of that, I believe with all of my heart. But what I'm about to share with you may startle you, because everything I say, said to you is hinged upon the word capacity. At no point does God cease being all-loving, all-knowing, all-caring, all-powerful. But he said something in Genesis chapter 1, I want you to read with me. In the beginning, verse 26, this is the way God set up planet earth. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, pay close attention to the language. Let us make man... In our image, according to our likeness. Do you see it? Let them have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. Now that's important that you understand. Over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that 
creeps upon the earth. See, a lot of people interpret this, well, God just now gives us liberty to kill animals and to eat them. That's what he means here. This is not what he means here. He entered into a relationship with mankind when he created Adam and he created Eve, and he says, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create you, and I'm going to plant you on this blue sphere called earth, and I'm going to give you the ability to have dominion and authority on this planet. And everything that lives on the planet, I am placing you above it. As far as a bird can fly and as deep as a fish can swim, I am giving you authority and rulership on planet Earth. And every little thing that creeps upon the planet, you have dominion. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Verse 28. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the planet. Now notice that God said, let them have dominion, and he did not say, let us. It's in your Bible. God said, let them, them being us, have dominion. He didn't say, let us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have dominion over the earth. However, remember the C word I used earlier, capacity. He took this blue sphere and he says, I'm going to put man on it and I want them to have complete jurisdiction of all activity that happens on the earth. Are you with me? So what does this mean? Are you with me? Man has authority legally, legal authority given to us by God to have and to exercise dominion in the earth. In short, we are the overseers of planet earth. Now, I understand God created it. He owns it. And at any time, at any point, he could step into things and take back over everything. Because he has the what? Everybody say the C word. Capacity. Now, this teaching makes people nervous. It makes my reformers nervous. It makes Calvinists norm, uh, uh, nervous. It makes people feel that I am limiting God, that I'm somehow downsizing him and diminishing his authority, his might, his power, his want to, his desire, quote, sovereignty. When I just look at something biblically and not try to spin it to fit my theological presuppositions. In fact, this doesn't cause me to worry 
that I am minimizing God's role, God's activity, God's power, God's strength upon the earth. In fact, it makes me feel really good that I now understand why the world operates in the way it operates today. Why are we witnessing a war started by a man in a regime that has killed tens of thousands of people and many children in a world that God is in control of? Either he has lost control, but as my reformers and Calvinists would say, well, everything is working according to plan. Every bomb, every catastrophe. God planned it, willed it, and desired it because God is sovereign. Oh, the insanity of such logic. I'm just going to pause. But some of you are squirming and your, and your cheeks on your behind are a little tight. <laughs> and, and, and the reason is, is because I'm going, I'm plowing in an area that makes you nervous because you have a picture of God that he is in control of all things and nothing happens unless he speaks it and allows it to happen. The only problem with that you don't understand Genesis 1. If you understand these four chapters in the Bible, you will understand the heart and the context and the vision of God for the world. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, this is how I created man. Acts chapter 1, or John chapter 1. John chapter 1, because the world was in such a mess, I had to send my son to fix the mess. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and Word was God. And so he sent them into the world. Acts chapter 1. Now the purpose of Jesus' death is realized by the coming of the Holy Spirit so the church can operate in power. And Revelation chapter 1, after the accumulation of it all, he comes with those fires in his eyes. He said, let them and not us have. So you're looking at a world right now that is completely in turmoil, in chaos. Not because God is in control, but because mankind is in control. Hmm. Now when I say control, that does not mean we control God. But he has left us to have dominion over the earth, whether that's good dominion or bad dominion. You have a man named Putin that is operating his God-given right as a man created on this planet to do whatever he wants to do and to choose whatever he wants to do. And so he has chosen to take dominion over another nation. Well, how can a loving God allow that catastrophe and hate and murder and chaos happen? The same way that you can go to another nation and it is another nation ruled by another tyrant and we have such starvation and babies dying. 18,000 children every single day die to malnutrition around the planet. How can a loving God who's in control of all of that allow a four-year-old to wander off into the village fields and with a bloated belly and die? And three hours later, he is covered by buzzards and eating every part of his flesh from his bones. 
See, this is where atheists kill us. Because the church has their cute talking points. Because we will not rationally and uh, logically deal with natural catastrophes, man-made catastrophes. We hide behind two statements. God is sovereign and God is in control. And so we stop the argument because we cannot intellectually deal with it because we have been sold to build of goods in churches. Don't worry about anything. Everything that happens to you is God's will. God has willed it. God has willed it. God's in control. He's going to do all. He's, you know, so, so we buy this. And so when someone comes to you and says, why did my wife die by the hands of a drunk driver? She was a Sunday school teacher. Love God. How did that happen? And because we don't know any better, we sit in churches that tell us that God is sovereign and God is in control of all things and everything that happens, it is the will of God. Please tell that to the four-year-old that no longer has a mother. God took your mother. Because that's what you're in essence saying. And so you say something stupid like this. Well, the Lord just needed another angel in heaven, so God took your mother. Oh, the stupidity that has gone to seed into the body of Christ. But we will say these things because we don't know how to rationally think about the real world we're living in. So the young girl goes up having a very confused and perplexed idea of who God is. And all her life she lives in fear. Will now God take my daughter? Your Bible is very clear. God has not come to steal, kill, and to destroy. There is one who did. And he's still operating on the planet. Who walks around the world like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. God's not trying to devour. So I'm going to help you walk through that logically in a moment. Everybody okay? Now if you're going to quote me, quote me right. God has the capacity at any point to step in. But he hasn't done that very often. He has. He allows man to sow and to reap. Sow and reap. Seed, time, and harvest in every area of your life. You eat bad, you die early. You eat good. You live long. You are in control for most part of when you die. If I drink myself into stupors every Friday night, I am committing an atrocity against the body that God has given me lordship over my own body. He's given me rulership over my own body. And if I sow good things, good things happen. If I sow bad things, bad things happen to my body. If I smoke, I am, I'm, I'm sowing this nicotine in my body. And so guess what's going to happen in a few years? My lungs are going to give out and then say, God, why did you kill me? I've given you dominion. He does not force me to eat lettuce on Sunday afternoons. <laughs> I'm in control of my diet. I digress. Look at this scripture. Psalm 8, 6. You won't get Bible. I'll give it to you. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 8, verse 6, that God made him, him being 
You and I, ruler over the works of your hands. Hands you put everything under his feet. You made him rule over the works of your hands. Do you see that? Now, this scripture is really confrontational. You may, not even, you may want to take it out of your Bible because it validates everything that I'm about to say. Psalm 115, verse 16, the Bible says, The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to whom? Now, now, now notice the language. He, he, he has given the earth to us. Not that we're just on the earth as robots, but he's giving the earth to whom? The children of men. And has it ever occurred to you? Now watch this. This is, this is, this is, this is profound. Has it ever occurred to you that in the beginning when God created Adam and Eve, mankind, he did not create them to be occupants of heaven? Think about that. When he created us, he didn't say, I'm going to create them, and one day I'm going to come back and take them to heaven. He created them to be occupants forever of this planet Earth. And he says, all right, here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to give you complete authority and ownership, not ownership, but I'm going to give you complete authority and dominion and jurisdiction over this planet. I'm creating you an Earth suit that you can live here forever. Yeah, I like that. Secondly, did it ever occur to you when Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden that Satan did not have the title according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4, the God of this world? You see, when Adam took the fruit and he ate of it and Eve ate of it, everything shifted on the planet. But one thing that did not shift is God's original covenant with mankind where he said to them, I am still giving you rulership and ownership of the planet. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. As soon as Adam fell, Satan stepped into a new authority and assumed the title, the God of this world. You can find this demonstrated in the teachings and the temptations of Jesus. When he has been tempted by the devil, the devil comes to him and takes him up on a high place. The devil takes Jesus. Now notice what happened. He takes Jesus. They're together, and he takes him up on a high place. And this is what the devil says. He says, you see all these kingdoms. He says, they're mine. And if you'll do A, I will give these to you. Jesus did not correct his statement because the statement was factual. He did not say, Satan, you are a liar, complete idiot. You've lost your ever-loving mind. These are my cities. Jesus didn't say, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. He didn't say that. He just said, he responded with scripture to the temptation. So now you have two entities, really three. You have mankind ruling the earth still to this day. You have the spiritual force of darkness on the planet that woos and persuades men to do evil things. The Bible says 
The whole world lies in darkness. And your Bible also says, 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are God and the whole world lies not under the dominion and authority of God, that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Are you with me? Talk to me. Hmm? The enemy right now, his agenda is saturating the world. And his influence for most parts goes uninhibited because there's no pushback nor prevailing light where Jesus said while he was on the earth that he was the light of the world. But when he left, he said to his disciples, now you are the light of the world. While we're waiting on God to intervene in all of society and to fix everything, your Bible says that Jesus is sitting down on the right hand of the Father, and the reason you sit down is because your work on the earth is finished. And now the work that goes on on planet earth goes down on through the children that he has called the Christians, the believers. He's placed himself inside of them, and now I need you to go and be me on the planet. I get more negativity from stuff like this. I'm correcting decades of poor theology. No, no, let me, let me not, no, not yeah, poor is a good word, but lazy theology. Now, they're going to have scriptures that says A, B, and C. I, I, I get that, but you've got to go back to Genesis 1, then everything filters into Genesis 1. You can't circumvent this. You can't get around how God set it up. Look at this. This is your word. The whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. What's going on in all parts of the world where there's death, destruction, wars, rape, murder, abortion, all that stuff has nothing to do with God being in control. A man sitting in a bar, drink and drive. Go home. You don't need an Uber. You don't need someone to call. You don't need a taxi. Nobody likes you anyway. You, you get ugly and mean when you're drunk. Nobody wants to ride with you. Nobody's going to take you home. It's going to be out of their way. Get in the car and drive. And we wonder, where was God when all of that happened? Let me tell you what God was doing when your friend was in the bar. Sean, call Timmy. Sean, I need you to go find Timmy. Sean, reading Facebook. Sean, I need you to go call Timmy. 
Lord, man, have you seen what, where they're going on vacation? Can you believe this family's going on vacation? Can you, I wish we were with them. Why didn't they invite us? Holy Spirit, Sean, go. Call Tim. Well, he, knows, he knows he's on a clock. God's on a clock. You're too busy. Jeremy. Call Timmy. You feel it in your heart. I need to call Timmy. But you're playing video games with your son. And you just think that's just a crazy thing. Then he calls any one of us. See, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord works. The Spirit of the Lord works through his people. Well, if God loved us, couldn't he intervene? Yeah. But he doesn't for most of the time. Now, he has the capacity to step in at any moment. But the way he set it up on planet Earth is, now I do my things through my people. The sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. And when we don't know his voice, hear his voice, obey his voice, there are catastrophic consequences. That we in our churches will not... Listen, listen. We've done you a disservice. We no longer want to take responsibility, so we blame it on the sovereignty of God. We blame it on God's in control. Well, if God really wanted it to stop and happen, he could have done it. That's why it's important that you know, that you hear, and it's a matter of life and death with some of us. There are a lot of people who died premature deaths because they've not listened to the voice of God. Don't go there. Stay here at this stop sign. Don't move yet. Change your vacation plans. Because there's been an interception, a detection. There's catastrophe happening towards you. And if you ignore the promptings and the movings of the Holy Spirit, you are stepping out having ownership and lordship of your own life, and you're saying, I know better, I could do this, it's not going to be a big deal, and God is saying, no! That's why God wakes us up in the middle of the night a lot of times. It's not because you had bad food. God wakes us sometimes in the middle of the night because somebody needs prayer. Somebody needs an intervention. Somebody, and, and, and all of a sudden, you get up at, at 1.30 in the morning. You've been asleep for an hour or two, a couple of hours, and, and all of a sudden, you're wide awake. Here's the first thing that you say. Lord, speak. Your servant hears. You get up out of bed, you walk the floor. You get you a cup of coffee because there is a divine reason that God woke you up. And the Holy Spirit may say to you, I need you to intervene for a missionary. You may not know the name. You may not know where they're from. But God just needs somebody to pray. God needs somebody to activate the angels in heaven to release his will upon the earth. But no, we are sitting, my God in heaven, we are sitting in churches... That pastors pump you full of a bunch of nonsense. Don't worry, God's got it all under control. So God put man on the earth to manage the earth. Is that, is that a, a, a way I can articulate it? Just management? He's the owner. Now, whoever owns their business in this room, you'll know what I'm talking about. No matter how awesome an owner is, 
Those working for him determines the owner's success. Even though the owner may be conscientious, a phenomenal skill set, beautiful business plan, intentional, organized, whoever he leaves in charge to operate the business while he's gone determines the man's success or the woman's success. Your manager may not have a good heart, may not pay attention to details, may be very skilled and talented, but they do not have collective thoughts. They're scattered. Perhaps they're lazy. They don't finish tasks. So when a business fails because of poor management, who suffers? The owner and those they were called to serve. The owner is at the mercy of those who operate the business day in and day out. God experienced this. Great business plan. Adam, everything you need. All right. Everything... You're going, to, you're going to work the garden, not in a way with labor, but you're going to go and you got all these trees, all this fruit, all this vegetation, all this beauty. And, and, and here it is, but okay, all right, don't touch the oven. This tree right here in the middle, don't touch it. Got it, Adam, I got it. Spot on. I'm not touching nothing. Next thing we know, they touch it. And the whole business plan crumbles. And ever since that time, God's been looking for good managers. And then do good for a while, and they get messed up. So then he would send them prophets to help them to get their business back in line. Talk to me. They'd ignore the prophets or adjust to their teaching, and then they'll get back in line. And guess what happens? When things get good again, they get out of line again. And so there's this constant interaction with God on planet earth. I got to send a prophet. They're, they're, they're completely out of line. All of a sudden, he got messed up, or not messed up, so fed up with it one time, he even regretted that he created that workforce. Noah wiped the whole work planet off. I mean, boom, in one moment, a flood. Destroyed. But I'm going to leave one manager in charge. Noah, you and your family are going to start over again. New business plan. 40 days, 40 nights, all that stuff. He's on the boat, and the first thing he does when he gets off the boat is get drunk. <laughs> Lying naked in a tent. 
And this is not a business plan. I mean, this is not how we want to start this thing off right. You drunk and you're naked. And you know God has to be shaking his, his head and going like, oh, dear. So he kept doing this for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. He said, I got an idea. Nobody knows the business like me and my family. Jesus, I got an idea. This whole thing down there is messed up. I'm going to send you. Fix it. And show them how this thing's supposed to operate. What hu- Listen, what human dominion, righteous authority looks like. The first Adam lost it. I'm sending you, Jesus, as the second Adam to put things right in their perfect perspective. Now, while you're down there, I want you to hire 12 mid managers to train under you Peter James John you know and they're going to follow you on how to do business they're going to model you watch you and you train them and then I'm going to release them by placing you inside of them so there's little you inside of every one of them and so now, now watch this. So we got frustrated because we couldn't keep up with their, with their level of authority and power. And so over the years, we've walked away from their example and decided that we have a better business plan. Let's water it down. Let's lessen the expectations. Let's say that the miracles are no longer available. Let's say there's no more, you know, the apostles are gone, the, these kind of t- people are gone, the prophets are gone. Let's just kind of water it down to fit what's comfortable to us. And so now we have on the earth, we wonder why the world is going to hell like it is, is because we have taken his business plan, his model, and we have we've manipulated it, finagled it, watered it down to now it, repre- it looks absolutely nothing like it did in the beginning. See, these guys operated with Jesus, the new, the new example, the model. And within just a few weeks and months, the Bible says these are the folks that were with Jesus, and they have turned the world upside down. Okay, you all right? Okay. I'm closing. Watch this. Matthew 21. See, it's biblical. Everything I'm giving you is biblical. Look at Matthew 21. You're going, you're, you're, you're going to, uh, I don't know, you're going to do something. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, um, Jesus um, weaved this logic, we, but we've missed it uh, throughout the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible. Matthew 21. So Jesus says this. The parable of the wicked vine dressers. He says, hear another parable. Jesus is teaching them about exactly what I'm talking to. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, okay, and dug a wine press in it and built a tower. Now stop. Make the analogy of how God created the planet. 
and he leased it to the vine dressers. Do you see it? He leased it to the vine dressers. What does that mean? It literally means that he gave it over, he farmed it out, and then it says he went into a far country. Now, when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And, and, and the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, stoned another, and then he sent other servants, more than the first. And they did likewise to them. Why? Because even though he owned the vines, he says, I'm too, I, listen, I'm going to operate this business differently. I'm going to lease it out, but I still own it. I want them to bring fruit from this particular He never intervened. He just kept sending people to get management right. And so when he would send a representative, they'd kill him. Send another representative, they'd kill him. No, we got it all under control. We don't want you to talk that way. We have our expectation. We have our business plan. Our business plan is better. And he kept killing them. And they kept killing them. And they kept killing them. And he kept sending them. And they kept killing them. And then what does it say? Then he said, I'm going to send my son to get it right and your bible says look at it guys when the vine dressers saw in verse 38 that it was his son they said among themselves this is the heir come let us kill him and seize his inheritance so they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him therefore when the owner when the owner comes what will he do to those vine dressers He's leased us the planet. Let me give this to you. I want you to see this. Oh, take a picture of it. The world is under man management. Do you have it? I want to say this. Mankind still has jurisdiction over the planet. We control, hear me, God has the capacity, but we control what takes place in this time-space dimension. Hear me? God's not disconnected from the planet. He's not disengaged. But the way he works on the planet is through his people. Good Bible. Let's, let's stick to the Bible. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that we are the body of Christ. Do you hear me?
the instruction in 1 Peter 4, 7, pray because the time's coming to an end. He said, be watchful, give yourself to prayer. Because God's engagements, listen to me, listen to me, God's engagements with the world are directly linked to the prayers of his people. I'm going to say it again. God's power engagements with the earth, with the world, are directly linked to prayer. Not your need, not a catastrophe. Needs are everywhere. Catastrophes are everywhere. It does not beckon an intervention from God. He's waiting on someone to get serious about prayer. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said this. God does nothing but an answer to prayer. So while we're waiting on God to handle things, let's go back to the Bible, what he says, 2 Chronicles 7.15. My eyes are open and my ears will be attentive to the prayers made in this place. He says, call on me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things of which you know not. But we sit on our behinds resting on the fact that we've been told, don't worry, everything's coming to an end exactly how God wants it to come to an end. Don't fret, don't worry. Tell that to a mother who watches her baby die in her arms because someone had an explosive device on their chest and blew it up. Tell that to someone who's sitting on the curbside of a road, clutching her husband, watching blood come out of his mouth, out of his eyes and from his ears because a drunk driver drove into them. And he had a call on his life to be a missionary. And he, she's holding him. Dear God, how did this happen? Why did you allow this to happen? We say God was in charge of that. Bad things happen to all people. God's role is this. I'm going to take what's happened to you bad, and I'm going to do my very best to turn it around to work for your good. But don't blame me for what happened. Do not blame me for what happened. Evil is to prevail on the earth when God's people do nothing. And we sit back in churches like this and in and, and, and places of worship where they tell us all the time, don't worry. No, let me tell you something. I need you to worry. Not over fretful things. Not over, well, am I going to have enough to pay my cable bill? Will I have enough to have my subscription for Netflix renewed? Dear God, I'm in trauma. No, I need you to be agitated. I need to be some travailing and angst and anguish in the body of Christ. The Bible talks about anguish in the body of Christ where we look at our culture and we say, dear God, you've got to do something. And God says, I will do something, but I am waiting on your prayer and summoning of faith to release me into your world. 
You can have all the prophecy you want to coming out of your ears, out of your nose, out of your behind. I don't care. Stop it with the prophecy that God is working things toward accumulated end. Things are going to get worse and worse and worse as darkness prevails against the light that's sitting in churches saying, God, you've got this. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have it. He's not on the earth in his flesh and bone body, but I am. And Jesus lives on the inside of me. And if I sit home, and, listen, if I sit home and do nothing, the Jesus on the inside of me sits home and does nothing. And we say, God, fix this. And God says, you're the answer to your own question. Therefore, present your body, Romans 12, 1, as a living sacrifice to God. Second Corinthians chapter 4, and maybe perhaps chapter 5. He says, may we live our lives pleasing to him. And because of your death on the cross, we will no longer live for ourselves, but unto the one who gave himself for us. How shall they hear without a preacher? God's not coming to preach. He preached once. And Jesus said in John 17, I have finished the work that you have given me to do. And how shall they go unless they are sent? God is saying, step up to your role and your responsibility. Enough of the nonsense that has incarcerated the church into a laissez-faire apathetic posture of where we do nothing and wait on God. Can you imagine if this church, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of us, take our role and say like the Apostle Paul said, God, whether by life or whether by death, may you be magnified in my life. May we take the posture that the Lamb of God would receive the full reward of his suffering. You waiting on God to intervene? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen until God's people begin to pray and say these words like this. God, we see an atrocity. We see calamity. We see death. We see destruction. Lord, we see violence. We see vitriol. We see this hate. We see this division. And oh God, our prayer is that your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth that you have given us authority and jurisdiction. We pull down your kingdom, your love, your peace. See, that's exactly how Jesus taught us to pray. Not to sit back, you're in charge, whatever you want to do. He says, no, you war and you labor with me. That's why, I, that's why I, until the day I die, 
to the day I die, I'll not let us rest. I will not relent. I will not shut up. I will not slow up. Some of you are fatigued. Some of you roll your eyes. Some of you said, there he goes again. When's he going to let up? When he's going to, I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop begging you to come pray with me. I'm not going to stop begging you to come on a Monday night for one hour and to seek the face of God because the times are coming toward an end. Give yourself to prayer. Be alert. I'm not going to buy the excuse that you're too busy. You're not too busy to spend four hours at a ball field. You're not too busy to go shopping. You're not too busy. It just doesn't register on your radar as an important thing. Then don't complain. Don't complain when Dawsonville School Board in the days ahead, ahead, perhaps, and I hope they never do, begin to open up all of the curriculum for transgenderism and homosexuality. Well, I just wish God would do something. No, no, no. He was beckoning you and through a preacher, begging you to come to pray. And then now your children are being filled with that insane ideology. And you don't want, and you wonder, well, I just wish he, I, I don't know what happened to my child. No, you sat home and watched television. You prepared your meal while the rest of us were laboring in prayer. Why don't you do something, God? I tried. Stand your feet all across the room. When you're in the middle of revival, you preach and you pastor differently. I will not lose, even if it costs me my life, what God has done. I will not let it go to sleep on my watch. My wife and I, may be the only ones that will come to pray. But we will pray. And we will pray. And we will pray. It will not be a thing in my life. It will be a priority of my life. Because I love this culture. I love this city. I love this nation. And I love the world. The Bible says if one shall send a thousand to flight, two shall send ten thousand. Somebody do the math exponentially by the 10th power or by the 100th power. Can you imagine if we had 100 people consistently on Monday night and on Saturday night? Not an option. It's just on your calendar. I'm going. One of those two nights. Just one of those two nights. One hour. Can you imagine? Meth labs close. Some of y'all got kids on drugs. You wish somebody would have prayed that a meth lab wouldn't have been in driving distance of your, of your teenager. Can you imagine drug lords coming? Coming up from Mexico, I'm talking about just, just a tractor trailer load full of drugs heading up to Dahlonega. Come by the McDonald's on 400 and feel a compulsion just to turn left. Yeah. He drives his little truck and he knocks on the door. He says, I don't know what happened. I don't know where I am. But all I know, I felt like I needed to turn and I was drawn to this place and I need somebody to help me. Can you imagine that we walk in such level of glory and power and honor and conviction 
over the house of God that people, even airplanes that fly over will say, my God, something's happening in that area. Can you imagine when crime goes down, drug dealings go down, trans, listen, transgenderism and, 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 and lesbianism and homosexuality is not an issue in our culture, in our community. Can you imagine every happy hour in the area turns into an evangelistic hour in this city? Can you imagine the bar houses having, listen to this, where they were putting, where they were putting their, 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 their liquor and their alcohol in an ice chest full like one of them old fishing troughs. All of a sudden, conviction begins to happen at one of our restaurants. And they said, dear God, what hinders me to be baptized? And all of a sudden, they began to run a water hose outside of the alcohol place and said, we're going to baptize you in this horse trough, right? Here, right now. Don't call me crazy. Do not call me crazy. I just know. I just know. I just know. I just know. The shaking is beginning this morning. The shaking is beginning this morning. Hell, hell fears. Hell trembles. Hell is nervous because something is happening in this atmosphere for the first time. For the first time. Somebody say, I, I get it. 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 The largest meeting of our church ought to be the prayer meeting. I was blown away last night of the families that were here with their children. Walking. Were the children praying? That's immaterial. Mommy and daddy. An example that this matters. I'm not waiting on an emergency to start to pray. I'm being proactive. I'm a preventer. Church, can y'all pray? So-and-so's having a... He's on where, where were you for the last three years? This could have been prevented. This could have been stopped. The Lord would have given you wisdom on how to parent. Told you what to do, what not to do. To say no to that invitation. No, you're not going to that party. No, you're not driving with her. But we're reactive. Parents, you owe it to every one of your children to become a man and woman of prayer. Owe it to the community. Can you imagine your workplace exploding in revival? And you're weeping in the corner. Oh, dear God. This is what I prayed for so long. The vulgarity comes off the walls. The pin-up posters come down. Now they're replaced with Bible scriptures. Images and pictures of people's lives change. I feel it. I see it. Thank you, Lord. I see it all over Dawson County. The cussing stops. The reversion stops. Not because of a preacher. Not because of a swagger. Not because of worship. Not because of a preaching of the word. Those are important. Because God's people prayed. Therefore, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 Again, since we're approaching the end of all time, be intentional and be purposeful. Be self-controlled, so you may be given to pray. Father in this house, your God in heaven, I feel you. Oh, dear God, I feel you.
Come on, let's pray. Come to the front. All that you can. Just squeeze your way in. Find a place. Find a place. Kneel in the altar. Kneel in the aisle. Kneel at the church or, or, or in your chair. Kneel. Just kneel. Find a place. Find a place. Find a place right now, church. I feel an urgency. I feel an urgency. Those of you that are going to Honduras, make your way to the pool right now very quickly. Those of you that are going to Honduras, get into the water quickly. Come on, church. We're praying. If you're going to Honduras, get into the water quickly. Go now. I feel the urgency of the Holy Ghost. I feel the urgency. I feel the urgency of the Holy Ghost. I feel the urgency of the Holy Ghost. I feel the urgency of the Holy Ghost. I feel the urgency of the presence of God. I feel him. I feel him. I feel him. I feel him. I feel him in Jesus' name. Come on, pray as if we're in the end time. Pray as if we're in the end time. Pray. Pray. Be urgent. Be intentional right now, dear God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Call unto me and I will answer you. Call unto me and I will answer you. Call unto me and I will answer you. Come on, saints of God, pray. Come on, just a few more minutes. Thank you. Band, come on, ready? We're going to sing this song. Let me have my band quickly, 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 quickly. Where's the band? Where's the band? Thank you, Lord. Hang on a second. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Come on, church. Come on, pray for your children. Come on, pray for your children right now. Pray that God will protect them from the wrong people. No drugs, no alcohol will ever touch their lips and enter their body. Keep them from marrying the wrong people. That meth labs all around Dawsonville will shut down by the power of God. Prostitution, drug, uh, sex trafficking will stop. Alcoholism will stop in the name of Jesus. Drunkenness will stop. Suicidal thoughts will stop. Come on. We pray. He's given us authority over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Let's act like it. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in the heavenly host, in the heavenly places. Casting down every argument. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. Come on, let's pull. My, 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 come on, another one minute, one minute, 60 seconds, all I need, come on, pray, pray, thank you, Lord, hallelujah, 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 blessed, come on, let's sing this song, everybody stand to your feet, we're going to sing it, continue to pray, here we go, come on.
Come on, we, Joni wrote this song about four weeks ago. For this season, for this moment. Listen to it, listen to it. Stop right there, right there. My, my Lord in heaven. The wussification of the church is about to be evict evicted. I'm going to say it again. The wussification within the church is about to be evicted. I'm going to elbow you out of the way, not you, but this wussification and tell you that spirit you've been in charge long enough you are a woke spirit you are a limp-wristed spirit and you have literally incapacitated the body of Christ you have pushed us into fear to not being a vocal force upon the planet so I take authority over that in the name of Jesus The warriors are coming forward. They are stepping up. You're nothing more than a dressed up soldier with a weapon, but you've not been trained for war. Step aside until you, listen, step aside unless you get hurt. Step aside until you get, unless you get hurt. That's what, that, that was the vacation spirit. Step aside, just step aside. You've done nothing to advance the cause of Christ. We're stepping up. My hands have been and are trained for war. I just see it. I see, I see women coming full armor. Dear God. I see them fully clothed. I don't, know, I don't know if you saw, listen, look at me. I don't know if you saw this young girl in Ukraine the other day in the midst of rubble walking death and destruction blonde headed girl bandana around her neck with authority with an AK-47 on her, on her side like I'm not afraid I'm not afraid of your bombs I'm not afraid of your, uh, of your vitriol I'm coming and she just walked right there by the and just looked at the camera dear God I wish I had some women full of armor that said I'm not afraid of you devil I'm not backing up I'm not this Western mindset and this this theology that says God's just gonna have I'm gonna fight for my children I'm gonna fight for my husband I'm gonna fight for my high school I'm gonna fight if nobody else fights I'm gonna fight dirt all over her dear Lord you ought to find that video it's walking through death and destruction unafraid Aaron unafraid unafraid now we're going to sing it. Train my hands for war. He trains my hands for 
4, that's what it says. He trains my hands for battle. He trains my hands for war. My Lord. He trains my hands for battle. He trains my hands for war. One more time. Sing it. Now listen to me. I want you to look toward that swimming pool. On Tuesday, this team is leaving to go to Honduras. Immersion services. Joni will be leading worship. Pastor Marty will be down there. Brian and Marty will be there as well with the entire team. How many total? 20, 24 individuals that are going as an extension of Christ Fellowship Church in the North Georgia Revival. Extend your right hand over there. This is how we pray. Father, I thank you that you live on the inside of all 24 of those. That everything that you are, you were, and ever will be, O oh Lord Jesus, is inside of them. All of your power, all of your kingdom, all of your authority, you place it on the inside of them. They will be your extension in Honduras. They'll be your mouth. They'll be your, Lord, your, your compassion, your tenderness, your kindness, your healing, your hope. And Lord, as they go, may you live, speak, and touch through them and speak simultaneously by the Holy Spirit to those that they minister to. We take authority over every lying spirit, every 
diabolical spirit, every spirit hinders them of losing luggage, sickness, lack of sleep, fatigue. Protect them, oh God. Protect them from drug cartels, drunk drivers, in the mighty name of Jesus. Place locks over their doors. Protect them as they sleep, as they arise. May your kingdom advance. You hear? Here we go. May your kingdom advance. You've given us authority on the earth. Lord, may we take territory. Kingdom authority, kingdom territory for you. Guard them. Bless them. Keep them. And as they immerse themselves, when I count to three, they're all going to baptize themselves, immerse. This is the way they did it in the, in the days of Jesus. They self-immerse. They went straight down. John the Baptist was an Essene. They believe he was an Essene, would self-immerse three times a day in the river. This is a baptism of power. This is a baptism of fire that the Lord showed me in February of 2018 or January 2018. This is the same thing, same thing, a baptism of power to go. So we baptize them, and they baptize themselves. We're witnesses of this. In the mighty name of Jesus, baptize yourself now, right now. Count of three. Go. One, two, three. Baptize.
All right, all right. Okay. Whew. All right, I, I'm not going to dismiss you. I'm just going to tell you service will continue tonight at 5 with prayer. With prayer. I saw last, listen, I, I know I'm running over. Listen, I saw last Sunday while I was preaching a vision. I'm, while I'm preaching, I see it. I see it. That through that back door, there's coming a time where they're going to be wheeling in people in, 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 um, on like ambulance carts, the little gurneys, gurneys, gurneys. Thank you. And they're coming in with gurneys. And, and some will just have days and, and, and hours to live. And the family says, is that all you can do, doctor? And they're going to say, that's all we can do. Then say, can we transport them? I'm preaching. And y'all notice last night, you can go back and watch. I just kept looking at the back door. I just saw, I, I saw two, three gurneys coming in. And it's too late at that moment to prepare for war. You prepare now for that moment. A surgeon doesn't open up a body and says, okay, now let me figure out how to do this. He trains his hands. This is the sword of the Spirit. We've got to learn how to use it in prayer. Don't neglect the training that's right at your... Listen, don't neglect the training that's right here, 70 feet from that room right there. Don't neglect the training on how to wield the sword with Kanael. Train our hands for I can't tell you how many emails we get from someone that's been in through like a year or two Kanael said this, I never knew how to pray. And I walked into a hospital room with authority and, and literally wielded the word of what I knew about blood covenant and prayed over someone. And they said, I never knew this until I went and got trained. Now, Father, I am in the midst of special forces, mighty men and women, new recruits as well, some that have been in the battle a long time. Lord, their armor's worn, and Lord, it's battle-tested. I thank you that we're in it. I never want to leave the war battling for every inch for the kingdom to advance. With blood, sweat, time, callous knees, empty stomachs at times, tired bodies but one day when I see you and we see you you will say to this body well done well done I can't wait we're going to sit around that, that banquet table together guys don't think we're not we're going to sit there we're going to sit there together we're going to sit there that's, what, that's my version but we're going to sit there and we're going to be there and we're going to look at each other only as warriors know. And there'll be no regret in your heart. We battle together. Thank you for praying. You're here all the time with your family. You and John. Y'all great. It makes a difference. So I bless your people. Honor them. Church, 5 o'clock today. We take the front lines and we war. 
I'll see you at 5. Bishop Lance tonight at 6. Thank you. God bless. Have a great day.